You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, howdy, everybody. Summer has begun. I, I don't know about y'all, but for, for me, after vacation Bible school, it feels like that's when summer really begins. Like it's just like a, that's kind of like our first thing that happens here, and so it's a it's a really good time. But uh, yeah, hope uh, your summer's off to a great start. Uh, I have a question for you: Has uh, any anybody here been traumatized by any board games that they played while they were young? Anybody been traumatized by that? Uh, so that's definitely Monopoly for me, okay? So it's definitely Monopoly. Um, one, of, one of the last times I ever played Monopoly was with my cousin Adam, okay? Uh, my sister and I were both playing. Uh, I think we had to cash in all of our properties. Um, but our cousin had a way of playing where um, he kind of like try to prop us along a little bit. He, he would like help us out little by little just so that the annihilation could continue. And um, that was kind of his way of doing it. I, I think there was even some IOUs and some interest uh, that were probably carrying over even into real life. Like, you know, he was like trying to barter for baseball cards and uh, I'll give you a King Griffey Jr. But I won't make you bankrupt now, but I'll, you know, whatever. I probably still owe him some kind of payments. I should probably send him something. But um, um, maybe, maybe somebody has a family member who, uh, who just, uh, just tends to not only beat you, but seems to enjoy every single second far more than they should. Anybody have somebody like that? Maybe you are that person. Maybe. Yeah, there's probably some of those in here too. Um, any big fans of Monopoly in here this morning? Yeah. yeah? Big Monopoly fans? Yeah. Anybody else in, uh, in just a big fan of slow torture? <laughs> no? No? Nobody else? No? Um, uh, does anybody want to talk maybe about the uh, pros and cons of a capitalistic society this morning? No, we're probably not going to do that either. But, um, I, man, I, I am looking forward just to, to dump, jumping into God's word with you. Uh, what, what I really want is some insight into what, how does God view money, wealth, and possessions. Now, I, I know for some here, all of a sudden, you know, you hear somebody talking about finances at church. It kind of makes you kind of squeamish. You're like looking for the exit. Like, okay, what, what should I do here? Um, but, but the truth is money and the wielding of money is something that every single person in here has to handle. There, there's not really any avoiding it. Um, there's no saying, I'm just not going to think about it. That, that doesn't really happen, right? Um, I, I promise you this. I'm going to take hours less than if you were playing a game of Monopoly talking to you this morning, okay? Hours less. So uh, if you would, just let's begin with prayer. Um, Dear Jesus, I'm thankful, God, for your word. Thankful that you talk to us about every manner of of, of ways to live. God, it's because these things matter, like how we handle money, how we handle our finances, how we handle uh, our possessions. And so, God, I pray you give us some insight this morning. Show us something about you this morning. God, only you can change hearts. Only you can move in the hearts of people. And so, God, um, for a message about money, about finances, God, you can still speak, and I pray that you will. Stir our hearts, God, and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, when, we begin, when we begin talking about money, wealth, and possessions, I, I think we have to start with some perspective. 
So there's a, there, there are a few verses in the Word of God that give me perspective, like Colossians chapter 1. And so um, I really want you to see that with me. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him... All things hold together. All things hold together. Praise God. Uh, Everything, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. All right? Through him and for him. So everything we have is his. And it's for Jesus. So so what what is our role in that? Okay? So we are not the owners. We're, We're not the owners. But we are managers of his possession. Now, I don't know about you, but if I am managing something for somebody else, I tend to view that differently. Don't you? You view it differently. If you know it's not yours. So the first step in proper view of our money and possessions and wealth is not just that everything that we have is, is, is from God. Yes, that's true. But it's bigger than that because the ownership hasn't changed. It's still owned by God, and we are the managers. So um, I, I worked at Universal Studios for a summer back when I was in college. Uh, I worked at the Islands of Adventure. I was at, at Marvel Superhero Island. I worked in the retail department. But I remember one day in particular, it was uh, just different. The whole place was a buzz. Um, everything was just, just different than it usually was. And uh, all of our managers seemed a little bit on edge, and it was just kind of kind of weird. There seemed to be like also a level of like looking out for the smallest detail, like. Uh, but it was so different than the usual day. Uh, what was going on? Well, little did I know, but I quickly found out that the park boss was going to be coming to our stores that day. So of course, everyone who had been put in charge of anything wanted everything to be perfect. And they wanted all the smallest details ironed out, right? They wanted to be found doing everything right and managing everything well when the boss came around. And I think that should be us. That should be us. Everything we have is Jesus. And I want to be found doing everything well and handling things exactly how he wants me to. How, how are we managing what is being given to us to manage? You know what I want? I, I want Jesus to find me spending every last penny and racking up credit card debt just to make it to the next month. No, I don't want that, right? Uh, I, I want him to find us being good stewards. A fancy word for managers, right? I want him to find us being good stewards of the things that he's given us. May, may we be wise when it comes to our finances. So this morning, I'd like for us to think about some of God's interactions with his people and how he views money, wealth, and possessions. And I want to look at the book of Proverbs to do that. Uh, when I think of wisdom, I think of Proverbs. And I've had the privilege of studying Proverbs with, uh, with a group of men. And man, I've really enjoyed just the array of conversations that that book leads to. Um, but one of the topics that it touches on a lot is money and wealth, the possessions and all these things. So as we open to the book of Proverbs, 
think with me about the purpose of this book. So Solomon is the writer, and, and he's writing this collection of, of wisdom literature. So he's writing his own, and he's also collecting other literature for the day. But all of it is in the intention of trying to impart this wisdom to his son. Okay? So I don't know about you, but when it comes to your finances, well, what did your parents and your family teach you in regards to finances? Proverbs 22.6 would say, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he has grown, he will not depart from it. So, so maybe your family was intentional in the way they taught about money. Maybe they taught you how to give and save and spend. Uh, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you learned how to budget from them, right? Maybe you learned about compound interest and buying assets and appreciation. But maybe, maybe you learned how to live paycheck to paycheck. Maybe you kept wondering if you'd have enough by the end of the month. Maybe money talks just always turned into fights and arguments. And maybe, maybe you vowed somewhere deep inside that you would always have enough so that wouldn't be you. No matter what you've learned or you didn't learn, you still have to handle money. And one thing I want you to remember is that money is amoral. I mean, it's not, it's not bad or good in and of itself. Dave Ramsey Always, uh, always talks about this when he always uses the example of having a brick. Okay, so you have a brick in your hand. Um, you can use this brick and you could throw it through a window, or you could use this brick and you could build a house, build a hospital. The brick in and of itself isn't good or bad. It's the it's the wielder, right? The one that's using it. So, what is God's intention with money, wealth, and finances? Uh, you see, early on when God is interacting with His people. That God is intentional in the way that he teaches. Think back with me to the Israelites in the desert. They're wandering before entering the promised land. They're grumbling to Moses and Aaron. And uh, they desire to be back in Egypt where they were slaves because at least they had some food. And then God begins the lessons. God gives them manna. And, uh, and he, with that, he also gives them very specific instruction on how to interact with the provision that he's giving them. They are told to gather as much as they need for that day and to not try to store it. Because if they stored it, the manna would become full of worms and it would stink. Then they're told that on the sixth day, they were to gather enough for two days because God wanted them to observe the Sabbath day. But when they saved it for that period of time, it didn't get any worms. or It didn't stink. So, so what, what do we see in that? What, what's something that we can, we can glean from that? One of, one of the first things that, that I see uh, is, is from a couple of Proverbs. So Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Also in Proverbs uh, chapter 10, The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. I like that. No, he adds no sorrow with it. So, Our provision comes from the Lord, and his desire is for us to trust him. It's for us to trust him. Proverbs 3, a very famous proverb many of you have heard. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Do you see it, though, that, that for the Israelites in the desert, God wanted them to trust him for their provision? All right? And he makes good on his promises. He knows our needs. The question is, do we trust the heart of God and his love for us?
Do we trust that? Uh, the same way Jesus told us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. But come on, Jesus, why, why, why just daily bread? Why couldn't I have like some monthly bread? Uh, maybe I could have some bread that's a little nicer than my neighbors. I don't, you know, I'd go for that. Maybe some, maybe some bread that's for, you know, bread for the kids' college. Or maybe some retirement bread. That would be nice. But, but no, instead Jesus tells us to pray for our daily bread and to rely on him for our provision. Right? We see our, our Father God showing his same character in the Old Testament. God wants to provide for the needs of his children. But at the same time, you see God not giving them all that they can carry or store. He wants, he wants their daily reliance on him. If they took too much and tried to keep it, they'd have worms that would stink. Um, but I don't want you to hear from that that God is anti-saving, because that's, that's not our God. Um, in Proverbs 6, God would say to consider the ant. Go to the ant, O slugger, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. I think uh, Ben Stewart, one of my favorite pastors, puts it well when he says, So God is not anti-saving, but he is anti-hoarding. Okay, he's anti-hoarding. Look at Proverbs 11. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. So why would God be against hoarding? I think it's because it's a heart issue, right? It's a heart issue. Hoarding comes from a scarcity mindset. It comes from a scarcity mindset, oftentimes with, without a purpose in mind. Saving typically has a purpose, and it's, it's, it, can, it can be done in the mix of trusting God while you do it. Uh, you see the Israelites saving manna on the sixth day so that they could observe the Sabbath and worship God. Every other day, saving beyond their daily needs was punished by God. So, so God desires for us to trust him. He's not anti-saving, only anti-hoarding. Uh, but you see, Jesus even talked towards this. When he's talk, talking, he gives a parable in Luke chapter 12, where um, he says, And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, let me go to my next one. Sorry. Um, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Do, do you see that hoarding mindset in there? Look at, look at verse 19 again. Um, there it goes. Um, verse 19, it says, And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, that's, that's very different than saving. Do you see that? Um, Randy Alcorn is a, is a, is a writer, and he uh, writes a lot about handling money God's way and handling possessions uh, God's way. And he says this. He says, When Jesus warns us not to store up treasures on earth, it's not because wealth might be lost. It's because wealth will always be lost. Either it leaves us while we live or we leave it when we die. No exceptions. Realizing its value is temporary should radically affect our investing strategy. According to Jesus, storing up earthly treasures isn't just simply wrong. It's just plain stupid, as he calls us a fool, um, calls the, that man a fool. Uh, the next thing I think about when I think about God teaching his people is when God introduces his law. 
Okay? So if you're ever reading the book of Leviticus, okay, we see God establish the practice of tithing and offerings. And so tithing is giving of one-tenth of their crops, their livestock, and other resources. And that would help support the priests of the day, so the Levites of the day, uh, as they, um, you know, prepare things in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Uh, but I, I think this is, I think the reason that he's doing this, the reason that, that, that the tithe was established is, is partly because of that reminder that all of it is his, right? God at the, at the exact same time could have asked for 90%, right? And had us live off 10 but instead, he says, hey, just you, you can live off. Um, I'm only asking for one-tenth. Um, God's system also had the worship and the law handled by the Levites, and the tithe was going to support them so they could do what, call, what God called them to do. Then, with the advent of Jesus, you see him examining the heart, right? You don't see him saying, hey, let's do away with this law, this tithing. No, you see him worried about, about people's heart for God and for people, um, Look at me with Matt, in Matthew 23. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You also see in the book of Leviticus provisions to care for the poor and the vulnerable members of society. It encourages practices such as uh, when you plow your field, you're uh, harvesting your field, it, it, to leave the corners of your field unharvested so that the poor could come and glean from it. Or uh, you also see uh, a, a, a charge to provide for widows, orphans, and foreigners. Okay? So why do you think that God desires that his people give? What, why is that? I, I think it's because God himself is a giver, right? And he desires for us to be givers as well. It's not too dissimilar from um, a parent wanting their child to, uh, you know, to wanting for their child what's best for their child. But, but on a totally different level, God knows what is best for us. He, he does. He knows that we, we are most satisfied when he is most glorified. He, he knows that. Uh, God is also always about people. And he wants our eyes open to those opportunities to go and help others. Here, here are just a few Proverbs I'm going to... Uh, shoot your way. So uh, Proverbs eleven, twenty-five. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Proverbs twenty-two. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Proverbs twenty-eight. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. Uh, Proverbs nineteen. There we go. Going slow for y'all. Sorry. Um, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. It reminds me of the words of Jesus in Matthew 25 when he says, Truly I say to you, um, as you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. You did to me. Um, Dave Ramsey says, Money is not good or evil. It has no morals or intentions on its own. Money reflects the character of the user. It reflects the character of the user. So what, what does all of this mean? Uh, what, what all this means is that our, our giving should be guided by our Christ-exalting values. Okay, so our giving should be guided by our Christ-exalting values. What does that look like? I think that should look like us valuing what he values and making that our priority. I think that looks like Matthew 
chapter 6, where um, we're, we're encouraged to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So for us, that's treasuring what go, what's going to heaven, right, which is people. Our handling of money has to be about people, has to be about people. And that is the heart that we see from God. Uh, you see, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So how do we honor the Lord with our wealth? What does that look like? I think a, a quick litmus test, if you're going to try to figure out, okay, what do I value? What does that look like? I think we should look at our wallets. What, what do we spend our money on? What is that, what, 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 I think that, that kind of shows you some of the things you value. I think also the things that consume your thoughts and the things that you uh, end up praying about are the things that you value. Now, if I were to put on the screen, okay, if I were to put on the screen for you a, a list of all the things, just I picked one of, you, one of you up by random and said, okay, here's all the things that this person spends money on, uh, but based on percentages, uh, here's all the things that they think about on the regular, here's all the things that they pray about. Do you, do you think that that's going to give a pretty good story of what that person values? I think, I think it would. I think it would show a lot. Um, what do you think it would say if that were you? And we put yours on the screen. Thank goodness we're not doing that, right? But, um, uh, but what do you think it would say about you? Well, what is your life aimed at? What is your life aimed at? Now, in Proverbs chapter 12, I, I, uh, I, I love this one. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Lacks sense. May I just say that I think that we are, are chasing after so many worthless pursuits. So many worthless pursuits. Proverbs would call us a fool. Right? It says lack sense, but it's just be nice. It's calling us a fool. Right? So there are worthwhile pursuits. Worthwhile pursuits. It's the things that last. Right? Whether you realize it or not, your soul is eternal. It's eternal. It's going to last forever with God or, or away from God. Our values have to come from our identity. If we're just a, an accident, if we're just a bunch of random consequences of atoms and uh, hitting into one another and we, uh, that creates these bodies, and um, I don't think a lot of this really matters. But if we are created by a loving God who desires for us to know him, he knows that we are most satisfied when our worship is on him above all else. He knows it. So, so what happens when we aim our eternal souls, our, ourselves, when we aim that at the temporal, right? Our values have to come from our identity. So where is our, where are our money, our, where's our money, our thoughts, our prayers, where are those things? What gets us fired up? All those things, where is all of that pointed? What, what do we value? What would you say the world would point us towards to go and value? I think money would be pretty high on that list, don't you think? Um, what, what would Proverbs say? I, I think it would say, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings flying like an eagle towards heaven. A quote from uh, John D. Rockefeller. He's the founder of the Standard Oil Company, the first billionaire of the United States of America, and once the richest man on earth. Just imagine 
His wealth was about three times of what Jeff Bezos is today. He was asked by our reporter, how much money is enough? He calmly replied, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. This world would point us at the worthless pursuits and scream that they matter. While God would softly whisper who we are in him, who we are in him. What we spend our money on is guided by our values. Our values come from our identity. Our identity comes from God through Jesus Christ. So if we truly to desire to live our lives with wisdom, Proverbs 9 would say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Better is a little with fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. I think wisdom is seeing the world how God sees the world. That's wisdom. Wisdom is seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. We can't fix ourselves. That doesn't surprise God. No, instead, he does all the work and sends Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice for us. He lived the life we couldn't live. Jesus conquered death in the grave and gives us a new identity if we confess him as Lord. No longer are we slaves to sin, but set free from bondage. No longer are we destined for eternity away from God, but we can be with him. No longer are we God's enemy, but instead we are child of the king. This identity changes everything. This identity gives us purpose. This identity changes our perspective. It changes our values. What I value is what I pursue. When I value what God values, I'm just chasing after different things in the world. I really am. No longer are the worthless pursuits satisfying when you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. When you see the eternal things, when you truly aim at the things that matter, The worthless pursuits look empty and hollow. So how do we handle God's, how do we handle money God's way, like in practical terms? What does that look like? Does this mean like never having fun? Going to be a monk or something in a monastery? Is that that what we have to go do? Um, That's not, that's not what I see when I read the book of Proverbs. I, I see a father in Solomon that wants his son to not make some of the same mistakes that he made. I see a father who wants his son to avoid pain. At the same time, you see Solomon telling his son, go, find a wife. If you find a wife, it's favor from the Lord. You see him saying, hey, have children. Have a home. Have good food and drink. At the same time, he is also teaching moderation and balance in life. Now, we're not always good at that, though, are we? How how are you at living with margin in your life? Is there any margin in your finances? How are you doing at living on less than you make? A a concept that Congress can't grasp, right? Uh, According to Dave Ramsey. Uh, How are you doing with margin in your time? What does it look like for you to have some margin? That margin in your your life, I think, is that moderation that Solomon would, would encourage. If you just can't get any traction in your life, maybe maybe we're needing to make some new choices. Maybe you say, but it's so hard to create a budget and live on a budget. But I also think it's really hard to live paycheck to paycheck. 
You have to pick your heart. You have to pick your heart. Which one will you choose? Uh, maybe, I, I think it's hard when you're drowning in that, in that debt, right? All that debt. Uh, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender, it says in Proverbs 22. So what does it look like to take steps to choose the hard and to get new information and make new decisions in regards to our finances? I think sometimes we, we need people in our corner, right? It says in Proverbs 15, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Maybe you need a financial planner. Maybe you need somebody to come. Um, maybe you need to come and attend one of our equipping classes. We teach a 401 class called Discovering Generosity, and it's, uh, it's great. Um, maybe you need a financial coach that could help you budget for the first time. We have some financial coaches here at Crosspoint. Maybe you need to listen to some Dave Ramsey on the podcast. Maybe you need to have some, maybe you need to finally have that conversation with your spouse about money, but, but it not be a fight. Now, I I know all of that's not easy, but I I will say it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, and, And make sure you heard that proverb correctly. With many advisors, they succeed. Maybe you have one person that's helping you with your finances. Maybe you have somebody else over here who has a really solid marriage and you can, you can learn something from them. Maybe you have somebody that's great at, at keeping healthy and active and you can learn from them. I think we need many advisors around us. We're not going to find uh, one person walking around that just has it all together. They have the answers about every single thing. No, I don't I think that's it. But um, I, I do think we should be open to the, the idea of what we can learn and who we can learn from. Because it's all around us. It's all around us. Maybe you need somebody to show you what it looks like to save and not hoard. What does it look like for you to live out Proverbs 13, where it says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Maybe your idea of wealth is in the here and now, and you're missing that God would be thinking about it generationally. And I'm talking about more than finances when I say this. It's a, it's a lot more than finances. So what does it look like for us to be wise in life, especially with our money? We have to see the truth of it all belonging to God. We've got to see that first, that we are managers of what he's given us. You can see what we value when you look at what our money and our devotion goes towards. We are eternal beings, and the aim of our life should not be at worthless things, but instead on the eternal. Our values come from our identity, and our identity is not merely that we're here by accident. Our identity is forever changed when we see ourselves and Jesus for who he is and what he did. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Jesus came and changed everything. He made being forever with God possible through his sacrifice on the cross. If your identity is not a child of God, because you've aligned your life with Jesus, that, that can change today. It's not going to make you rich. Uh, life's still going to be hard. But Jesus says that he will never leave us or forsake us. Would you pray with me as we close? Jesus, we're, we're thankful. Thankful that you would teach us the way that you do. That you would teach us with lots and lots of grace. Even when we have... Uh, We're kind of uh, thick at times and don't always understand. You continue to be a gracious teacher. I'm thankful for that. God, um, I I want 
I want my identity. I want the identity of the people here today to be firmly planted in you. Because, God, that changes everything. That changes how we view money. That changes, what, that changes the things that we aim our life at. God, may, may our lives be aimed at the things that matter, the things that last, the things that are eternal. May we be about people. And may we see, God, you work through us in amazing ways. May it all be for your glory. God, I pray that, that you've stirred something inside of us, that you would show us steps of what it looks like past this to walk with you and to um, point people to Jesus. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.